0: Glad you're here. Glad you're worshiping with us. Folks online, can't hear you, but glad you're here worshiping with us, joining us online, live. Uh, We have a very, very exciting uh, morning in the life of the church, as Tanner alluded to uh, this morning, so we're really excited to get after it. Um, Before we do that, I do want to uh, give a little bit of an update. If you weren't here last week one of our dear friends uh, teenage girl Naya uh, who we've been praying for for four plus years uh, who continues to have cancerous tumors in her brain uh, and throughout her body uh, she was found to have uh, more tumors found on her spine Uh, and so we were able to slowly bring her up here and as we've done so many different times Pray over her in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit that that when the doctors did the spinal tap that they would find nothing. And so we prayed and prayed, and we have prayed, I'll be honest, we have prayed for sweet Naya for for so many years, and and often the medical reports back are not good, and it's jarring to the faith. Let's just be honest with that. When when we pray for things and we don't see them happening, uh, those are jarring to us a little bit, and so we prayed, and we prayed with fervency, and everyone stood, and we prayed for her. And I would like to announce to you, when they did the spinal tap, this week, they found no cancer on her spine, none whatsoever. Uh, the the masses that are on her spine were benign, shocking uh, to the doctors, but uh, praise the Lord. Our great God and King uh, held away the darkness yet again from our sweet Naya's body, and, and we will continue to pray. So uh, please, she's not out of the woods. Uh, as you saw last week when she struggled to get up here, she's still recovering from her stroke, uh, and there's a lot going on there. And so please, please, please uh, continue to pray for sweet Naya uh, as as we continue to journey with her. That's super important. Um, so with that said, let's do this. Let's stand. Again, we don't really have the ability to go walk around the room and say hello, but you can stand, turn around, wave to someone. Uh, you can even dip it uh, across your eyes, do something where you can say hello to them. Ed, no one is saying hi to you. That's awesome. Uh, So, Ed is standing back there by himself. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Go say hi to that old man back there. All right, very, very good. You may have a seat. If you want, you can open up your Bibles to the book of Titus. If you're new to the Bible, you're new to church, uh, Titus is found in the second half of the Bible, often referred to as the New Testament. Uh, The way God kind of put the books together is is pretty convenient because it's with all the T's. Uh, And so just go ahead and find Titus. We'll be there in just a few minutes. Last time we were together, last week, we looked at Titus chapter 1, verses really one through four, and we discovered uh, this thrilling truth that the Cretans, these people on the island of Crete, were apparently not held in particularly good standings. Uh, They were kind of the bad people. Uh, and it's alluded to in verse 12. We'll unpack that a little bit more next week. But they had pretty poor uh, moral standards. And Paul is concerned that these moral standards, these dropping of the standards and living in the world, it's going to creep into the church, and it's really going to creep into the lives of these brand new believers in Jesus Christ. And so he's writing this, going, be careful, be careful, be careful, because this is the people who you're around. They're liars they're evil, they're lazy, they're gluttons. It's just a horrible description of these uh, individuals. And so Paul writes, uh, and he says from the very beginning, that his concern is godliness amongst Christians. Now, you know this. Just because you are a Christian, just because you profess to be a Christ follower doesn't necessarily equate to godliness in your life, the two are not necessarily synonymous. That there's some work that has to go. That God says uh, this theological concept, participative grace. That I am going to give you the grace. I'm going to give you the mercy. I include you to work with me in creating the godliness in your life. And so Paul's concern uh, for the godliness of this Christian congregation, and he wants these various churches. They're, they're all over the place. Don't think of just one church, like Rock Creek Church. There's all these little churches all throughout the islands. They're not meeting in buildings. They're probably meeting in homes or out on the sand, and they're just congregating. Get Get the idea of congregation. And so they're congregating in these little cities all over the little island of Crete, this, this tiny little island, which is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's kind of south of Italy and, and south of Greece, over to the right, southeast a little bit, this tiny little island called Crete. And his concern is that if, if these believers are going to adorn the gospel of the God their Savior in their lives, then he wants to help them understand how to live, how to navigate life. And and so he writes this, in other words, instead of simply claiming to be Christian, he wants to help teach them how to be Christian. And let's be honest, nothing new is under the sun. We have college students, we have widows, we have married folks, we have single folks, we have some of you who are empty nesters, amen? we have a lot of different people in this room. We have a lot of different people who are joining us online. In Nebraska, in Washington, in Texas, in Arizona, in Canada, Golinda. We, we have people all over the place. And who knows what your life is? But the bottom line, according to Paul and according to Titus, is I want to help you learn how to live a godly life in the context of your world. And so the very first thing he says to Timothy after saying hello is in verse 2 one through four, is appoint elders. That's the very first thing he says after he finishes his greeting. He says, you need to appoint elders within all these different churches. And that's Paul's frontline strategy to create discipleship within the church and to create godliness in these congregations with brand new Christians. To what? Appoint elders. That's what we're doing here this morning. Uh, if you stumbled in or someone brought you and they hoodwinked you thinking this is going to be an incredible morning because nothing weird is happening. Well, a little bit of weird is happening. Uh, we're talking elders. And for some of you, that's different. And so we acknowledge that. We're also appointing a new elder to our elder board. And so I, uh, in fear of making him turn red, this is Steve over here. Steve, wave your hand. So uh, we're going to be voting on Steve. Now, this is really important. If you have any problems with Steve? Issues on how he dresses, issues on how he lives his life. You have about 30 minutes to go confront him uh, before we vote. So he's right up here, he's not hiding, he's sitting right there, so you can uh, go do that. And his beautiful bride, Susie, it is her birthday today. Yes, so happy, happy birthday. We've uh, got some fun things planned for them. So the question is, what are elders for Uh, If you've been a part of a church, you may have heard of elders, or you hear of this mystical elder board that meets behind the curtain like the Wizard of Oz, and you don't have a clue what they do, but they are in existence. Well, why Paul would say, first off, without even pausing to thank God, is, is he said in these letters, Timothy, appoint Elders, because elders are for here here are points if you're into writing notes, they are for discipleship, and because those elders are to give leadership and direction and they are to oversee the doctrine. Those are the three that we're gonna unpack this morning as we jump into this very, very important passage in the book of Titus. So if you would, out of reverence and respect for the word of God, would you please stand and I will read Titus chapter one, verses five, through 9. Here's what Paul says. I'm reading now the New Living Translation. It's on the screen. It's also on your screens at home, so you can follow along there. Here's what Paul says. I left you on the island of Crete so that you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town that I instructed you. An elder must live a blameless life, or your version might say, above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild and rebellious. A church leader is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless or above reproach life. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just he must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. That is the word of the Lord for us this morning. You may have a seat. So we got a lot going on in this passage. Um, So let's just jump into it. If God's people are going to live out the gospel in their personal lives, if they're gonna live out the gospel of God in all things, then they need, according to Paul, according to the scriptures, godly leaders who are going to set an example, teaching them how to live and how to live a life which glorifies God. Now, I'm gonna ask you a question how many times can you remember that you had an extensive season where you know all of your life was glorifying God? Like without interruption. It was just day after day and you're like, man, this is like, this has become crazy. I'm like 180 days in of just glorifying God. No no sin, just glorifying God, just left and right. Probably not. Probably you had a bad moment, you had a bad hour, you had a bad professor, you had a bad co-worker, you had a bad boss, you had a bad kid uh, that brought out the worst in you. There's a bar for elders and it's really, really high. And it's because God cares deeply for this, his church. He cares deeply for you. He cares deeply for what you're going through and and the struggles that you face. He cares, he cares, he cares. And that's why Paul doesn't even pause to say thank you, but he dives right into the business of the letter. There's no small talk. There's no kind of getting to know you. He dives right in to the business. He's concerned for these Cretan Christians to grow in grace, to be discipled, and to become more mature in their faith. And really, if we, if we boil it down, is he wants these elders to help Christians avoid the worldliness that's constantly pulling at them. Because you and I know this. The world is constantly pulling at us. And it's not always evil. It's distractions. And so these elders have a job to do at the very beginning of Titus. It's interesting that that's the model, that the elder is, is viewed so highly as the governing uh, body of the church. And just so you know how we operate here at Rock Creek Church is uh, we have pastors and, and we have congregation members, and all of us, including those of us who are on the pastoral staff, we submit to the elder board. The elders are the highest governing body of our church. Now, we can get into lording over and, and, and hammering, having a strong hammer over people. But nevertheless, the elders have the conch. They are in charge. They are the ones who lead. Now, we're going to get into exactly what that means and what it doesn't mean. But nevertheless, that's our starting point. The three points we're looking at, again, discipleship, leadership, and doctrine. So first, what are elders for? Elders are for discipleship. This is what elders are for. First and foremost, beyond anything else, they are for discipleship. Look at verse five. I left you on the island of Crete so that you can complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Well, what's the work that was left? The work that was left was discipleship. These churches are being started, and people are being drawn into the books of the Bible to understand what it is that the Scriptures say. And so the elders are to to continue that work, to continue the, the discipleship. Now, what had Jesus said the discipleship structure of the church, what was it supposed to be? Well, do you remember the Great Commission? Raise your hand if you remember the Great Commission. Several of you do. Go and what? Preach the gospel and make what? Cake? Make disciples. In other words, the local church where baptism and grace are administered, where they're offered to humanity, people either that have heard of God or have never heard of God, the church is the central place where this happens. And the context, the main context for a Christian discipleship. That's why it's so important to find a good church that proclaims Jesus. And I'll say this again and again and again. If you go to a church and they are preaching anything but Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, then get up and walk out. That is not a good church. That is not a church that's focused on the main things. They might give good, but you want to find a church that is holding Jesus high as can be. Amen? Amen? Are we on the same page? Okay, so that's what is interested for Jesus as he leaves and and he says, go and make disciples. Why? Because Jesus wasn't interested in Lone Ranger Christianity. You might have known this or, or you might have been this before where you go, well, my relationship with God, my personal relationship with God, my personal Bible study with God, my devotional, you hear a lot of mys. We don't see that anywhere in scripture. It's all in community, and it's all part of the body of Christ. And so what, what Jesus' has thought is, I wanna get rid of this Lone Ranger mentality. Why? Because you're most dangerous when you're by yourself. You are most dangerous when you are walking in faith all by yourself. Because the Bible says that the enemy is crouching behind every single corner looking to kill you. Looking to steal from you. Looking to destroy you. And often that's in a whisper. Often that's in a deceiving voice. Often that's in a beautiful voice. We read about that in Revelation with the Antichrist. He's going to look beautiful. He's going to sound great. And we'll get into that a little bit with doctrine. But the reality is when we're by ourselves we're in the most susceptible place we could ever be. And so Paul, out of the promptings of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants these new Christians in Crete to be a part of community, to go through the highs and lows together. Uh, We have buried people here. We're getting ready to marry. Will and Hannah are in here somewhere. Yeah, there they are. Incredible people. Point to Will. There's Will. We got Tanner and Amy are about to get hitched. Uh, Can we say hitched? Is that politically correct anymore? Fair enough. Hitched it is. So they're about to get married. We got babies coming in the right order there. Uh, And so a lot of things that are happening in community. In community. Someone loses their job, we walk with that sorrow and we we pray with them. Someone gets a a horrible diagnosis like Naya, we go through that with them in community. Someone struggling with life, struggling with mental illness, struggling with anxiety, struggling with school, struggling with, with the direction of family, we go through that together because the Lone Ranger is a dangerous place to be. Because iron sharpens iron. You sharpen each other. You're sharpening each other today in worship. As you sing out, as you close your eyes, as you come before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you're sharpening the person next to you. You're bringing them with you. And it's an amazing place to be. And so the local church is where Jesus' design is for the place of discipleship. Paul talked about in 1 Timothy chapter 3. He talked specifically about this. And now he's at it again, and he tells Titus, appoint elders. The obvious reason for this, in the context of the church, surrounded by an immoral culture, is that this is going to be the way that discipleship is structured and fostered in the local church. That's his plan. And the elders have the responsibility to make sure that happens. If you're feeling the weight of like, Sure God, I'm not an elder. You should. You should feel that weight. Christian discipleship happens in the local church. It involves ministry not simply of a pastor. The pastor should never be the rock star of a church. Not because of one particular elder, but a grouping of elders. Elders, plural. Notice what it says. Appoint elders in every town. Every city where there was a gathering of Christians who had responded to Paul's teaching and given their life to Jesus Christ and formed a congregating group to get together and study the scripture, Paul says, we need to have an elder, plural, in that midst. Not just one shepherd, not just one pastor, not just one elder, but elders, a plurality of godly leaders ministering in the midst, promoting the discipleship of Christianity. And nothing has changed. That is still the command for the church. That is still our call here. That is still what we are attempting to do in obedience to the scripture. And Paul is just emphasizing, again, the wisdom of God for discipleship that he has appointed shepherds over his flock. Because part of discipleship is this as well. The elders fight for you. They fight for you they're on their knees, and they pray, and they carry your burdens, sometimes in uncontrollable tears, sometimes in complete sleepless nights, because God says, I'm going to take what they're carrying. This is amazing. I'm going to take some of their burden, and I'm going to put it on your shoulders so that what their burden can be light. And he does that by grabbing those of us who have been called and saying, you're going to be my hands and feet. Not only are you going to to take care of the widows and not only are you going to uh, take care of the orphans and not only are you going to feed the homeless, but you're going to carry the church. That's how you're going to be the leaders at the highest level. So when we talk about they have the conch, they're the highest leaders, they're the ones, what that means is they serve. They're the lowest of low. They're the ones who carry everything for you. And sometimes God blesses us with that ability to do so, and sometimes he doesn't, but that's the striving goal of the elder. And that is the top priority of what God has called the elder to be. And Paul wants to make sure as these churches begin to grow and spread out, you've got to make sure discipleship is happening. So make sure that there are elders in every little church. That's first. Second, if you look at verses 6 through 8, it's also clear that elders are an example. Now, here's where we're going to get really, really sticky. But we're going to jump in with both feet. These Cretan Christians, much like us today, we are very tempted to look just like the world. It's it's a temptation for every single one of us in this room and for those of you who are watching online. It is a temptation to look like and act like the world around us. But the elders are to engage this because the people are tempted to engage in all of the common vices that are around there. We do it too. Let's take Cretans. They're gluttons, they're lazy, They're liars. They're evil beasts. Now, we can very easily, if we want to, sit back and throw some stones at them, but then we've got to look in the mirror, and we go, okay, what am I? What's my life been like? What is it today? What was it last night? What is it going to be this afternoon? We're all kind of in this pot, if you would, and so to combat that, Paul says, appoint elders, and this is what those elders are to be like. I'm gonna read a list for you. I kind of rewrote it, didn't add to it, but just give more explanation to it. They are to be above reproach. That means that there isn't anything going on in their life that's questionable, that someone can approach and go, hey, like, I watched you last Friday and that, that doesn't seem very godly. So they are called to be above reproach. They are to be the husband of one wife. What, what, what's going on in, in these times? Polygamy is, is, is rampant throughout Titus and the surrounding regions. It's not, it's not endorsed by both the church or even common culture, but it is still rampant by those who are, are saying, to heck with the world, we're gonna do what we want. And so Paul is addressing this very specifically. Uh, don't have polygamy. You are to be a husband of one wife. Having children who live under the roof, who are obedient and responsive to the direction. In, in those times, because uh, sometimes we can read the Scripture and go, okay, well, if, if you're going to be an elder for your whole life, your kid has to be obedient. raise your hand if any of you feel like you're qualified, right? We are going to have seasons that it goes on, but this is specifically to kids, and and kids is really the important aspect here, that kids who live under the roof are obedient and responsive to the direction of the husband and the wife, not accused of any immorality or rebellion. So there to be an example. There's someone for you to look at and go, okay. They're not perfect, but I can absolutely see what they're striving towards. In this case, in verse six, they're to be examples in their home. In other words, you can't lead the church if you can't lead your home. This is all there is to it. They are to be fostering godliness in their home. These elders are here for the purpose of fostering godliness in the church. And Paul says if these elders are to do a good job of fostering godliness in the church, the best way to see that they have the capability of doing that is to see if they're fostering godliness in the home. That's it. Now, let me address an elephant in the living room. And we're not gonna unpack this in today's sermon, but I do feel a conviction that we do have to at least address it. It is pretty prevalent in the church today to say this is rubbish, it sh- we should remove all the men factor in this, and we should put in men and female. Maybe you've heard that discussion. I, to, to be completely frank and fair, I've been on both sides of it. Truly. Truly. And I've defended both sides. I feel like I've got a multiple personality disorder. I've defended it to the death on both sides. There is a time and a place to debate some of those, but I will say this. Having dug deep and parsed out and diagrammed and studied, you cannot remove the male parts of Titus. If you want, I'd love to have that conversation with you. I'd love to have that coffee with you. I'd love to have that lunch with you, but at least in regards to Titus, it is beyond clear he is talking about the man. Now, I know that's not very popular in culture today. Please don't shoot the messenger. Um, I'm humbled by that, but I do need to say that because i what i what I don't want is to open up a can of worms that says he continued to say he 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 should say. I don't know what I should say, but I know that there's that struggle, and I just want to make sure that I'm honest with you, that I'm abundantly clear with you on and what the scriptures actually say in regards to Titus. Thank you for listening to that. Where am I? Here's what this isn't suggesting. This is not suggesting that elders must be perfect in any way. All of the elders back in the early church, all the disciples, all the apostles, they knew their own sinfulness. They knew their own shortcomings. They knew their own struggles. It was abundantly clear to them. And it was abundantly clear to those who worshipped and attended those churches. But I have to tell you, in today's culture, sometimes pastors and elders are viewed as you must be perfect, that you can't have slip-ups, that you can't have bad days. You can't have days where you don't really feel like reading the scriptures. You can't have days where prayer is hard. You can't have days where your family is in turmoil. Can we, as, at least as far as this congregation for Rock Creek Church, can we please, please, please continue to promote the fact that elders and pastors can struggle Please, I beg of you. Otherwise, you're gonna have a really hard time finding an elder or pastor to come be at this church. We are not perfect. We have our struggles, and this is not what the scriptures are deciphering here. We are not to be perfect, but it does get to the heart of the individual. It does get to the heart of who God has called to be the leaders of the church. The elder, the Bible goes on to say, the elder is hospitable. In other words, if you really don't like people, you probably can't be an elder. Like, if you don't like people in your house and you don't like, you know, serving other a meal, like, you can't be an elder. That's just all there is to it. You must be hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled. In other words, uh, the elder is a friend to strangers, to those in need. He shows them hospitality. He's a virtuous man. He loves what is good. He aims for what is good and what is right. He is sane, that's good. Or discreet, he's, he's someone of right mind, of, of sound judgment. In other words, people won't necessarily interact with them and walk away going, whoa, that guy's crazy, right? And you know some of those people who are crazy. You might be one of them who is crazy. And the elder's not crazy. You walk away feeling closer to God. You walk away having a glimpse of more of what you should strive towards. This is the elder. He's sensible. He's fair in his dealings. The elder is just. The elder is a godly man. He's a devout man. He's self-controlled. And these are the virtues virtues, and the, and the characteristics of the one who is a shepherd. Perfect? Not perfect. You think about, uh, I don't know if you've ever studied uh, shepherds, sheep herders. Any of you ever studied sheep herders? A couple of us nerds have studied sheep herders. Why? Because someone needs to study them. And and if you read about shepherds, sheep herders, you read about how devastated they feel when they lose even one. That they take it upon themselves to make sure every one of those little sheep are taken care of. That they're fed, that they're safe. That they have guidance, that they know where to go and where not to go. And it absolutely breaks their heart when they lose one. That shows the fallibleness of a shepherd, of a sheep herder. And so, no, not perfect, but one to watch and follow, yes. One to watch their life and to say, that's an example. That's what I'm striving towards. I'm going to try and emulate a lot of that because that elder is emulating God himself. You see, God is giving the local congregation and every congregation real-life experiences, real-life examples of an elder's life in order to encourage and move us along in our congregations. Now, what this does, let's get practical for you all. What this does is it presses us to pray for our elders. If you've not made it a regular practice to pray for the elders of Rock Creek Church, or whatever church you do attend, can I implore you to make that a regular part of your spiritual disciplines? To every single day in your prayer time, and Lord willing, you're having a prayer time every day, every single day to pray by name for our church elders. Because guess who's gonna get shot first? Those who are in front protecting you. They will gladly take the bullet, but they'd rather not if they don't have to. And that relies on you and your prayers. And you've got to know how every single elder, both past and present, feels when a passage like 1 Timothy 3 or Titus 1 is read out loud. It's incredibly humbling. Because even though we're pretty adamant this does not mean perfect, the scripture really points this, uh, paints this picture of like the perfect dude. That's pretty intimidating. And, he, and exactly is, is what's happening this morning with Steve. Nothing will shrink you to the size of Adamant. Any Adamant fans in this room? Nothing will shrink you more quickly than having a passage like this read out loud and said, this is you. You talk about humbleness. You talk about, wow, how am I supposed to? live up to that how am i supposed to be that it's a it's a very humbling thing and that presses us to pray for them they're not jesus newsflash they're men the old adage they they put their pants on one leg at a time just like you And so we pray for them. We pray that they would long to emulate these standards and that they would really emulate them to every possible degree in their homes and in their own personal character. That's what we're striving towards. One last thing. These elders are for doctrine. And in, in kind of the emerging seeker-friendly church, we try not to talk about doctrine. I love doctrine. Doctrine comes from the scriptures that we hold extremely high. They shape our view of God and, and this world around us, and they're incredibly important. So many of the doctrines have withstood the test of time. They've withstood uh, people trying to debunk them, and they've stood up to that because they're grounded in scripture. And we know that scripture is never going to fade away. So these elders are for doctrine. Not only are they for discipleship and for a good example, for it, but for elders. And Paul tells us in verse nine, therefore encouraging others by conveying sound doctrine of truth. Sound doctrine of truth. And, and this is so important because in a day and age where we literally live in a post-truth society, The elder is to defend and proclaim truth. What do I mean by that? Well, we live in a day where truth really doesn't matter. If I write it, if I post it, if I say it, that's truth. And you can't tell me otherwise because it's truth for me. And that is happening faster than my words can explain to you. It's happening in the church. It's happening in government. It's happening in the university. It's happening in the home. It's happening in neighborhoods and in friendships. Truth is disintegrating before our eyes. And the elders have to do something about it. It just keeps getting worse for the elder. these, These weights that they have to carry around. Elders are to be orthodox. They're, able, they're supposed to be able to defend or teach truth. They're to be sound teachers or proclaimers of the faith. Now, this is interesting because, again, culture, let's identify what culture is. It is not correct. That's why I asked Tanner, hey, can I use hitched? It is not correct... To correct. Are you with me? It is certainly not allowed for the Christian to correct. You might bring in some other spiritualness, then you can correct. But if you bring Jesus into the conversation to correct, you better watch your words. That's culture. And my friends, it's only going to continue. We shouldn't be surprised by this. The Bible says it's going to happen. It's happening. It will continue to happen. But the elder, according to the scriptures, is to call a spade a spade. Listen to what he says in verse nine. The elder must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it when they're wrong the elder as your representative when when culture teaches things that are opposite of what scripture teaches they are to defend it and show where the others are wrong boy that is not a good church strategy for growth no one starts out by saying hey if you want to grow your church then anybody who walks in that has bad doctrine the elder is going to show them where they're wrong That is not good church growth strategy, but it is part of their responsibility. The elder is zealous for the truth. They don't simply agree with the truth, their heart is wrapped up in the truth. Notice the difference? You guys notice the difference there? They don't just agree with truth, their lives are wrapped up in the truth. Those are two very different things. We could agree with something that's true and leave it alone, but the elder is to be embodied by that truth, to be completely saturated with that truth so that it drives their entire life. That's the defense of the doctrine. The elder is able to exhort sound doctrine. The elder holds fast to the faithful word of biblical teaching and teaches in accordance with that word, not the moral standards of this world, not philosophical reasoning, the scriptures. The scriptures alone. The elder has the ability to lead faithful Christians to belief and obedience. And the elder is able to refute This is my new favorite word, refute. We don't use that very often in today's times. Any of you use refute this week? (laughs) Sarah. All right, so refute, Alecho. Say it with me. You got to kind of spit at the end, Alecho. Okay, Alecho. This is what refute means. And what refute means in the original language is to convict or expose what's contradictory to the truth. You're a whistleblower on what is wrong. The elder is able to defend the faith for the sake of the new believer and for the church body. So Paul says, Hey, listen, Titus, I know I gave you a bum rap here. I could have picked anybody to go to Crete, they're psycho there. But I need you to go there, clean up the mess, get the church moving in the right direction. And the way you're gonna do that is you need to appoint elders in every city wherever there's a congregation. And those elders are gonna be for discipleship. They're gonna be an example for people to follow. And they're gonna defend doctrine. They're gonna love people. And because they love people, they're gonna wanna see them grow. They're gonna be hospitable, which means they're gonna be nice, And they're going to be kind to people. They're going to display virtue. They're going to love what is good. They're going to do the opposite. You read this. If you want to know where's our society society today, go to Isaiah chapter 5, and it will say, behold and beware when your culture gets to the point where they call evil good and good evil. Friends, we're heading there on a super fast car. And so that's the elder. Now, if that's what elders are for, we've got some new things to pray for to pray for what the elders are to be, that God has called them to be, to, to realize how vital they are to the health of the spiritual experience of this congregation. Because here's the absolute truth. This church will only rise to the spiritual heights of the spiritual height of our elder board. Their own personal walk with God, their walk with God together as a board, as the leaders, as the ones who carry that flag moving forward, we will only, as a church, not saying individuals, but collectively as a church, we will only go to the depths that they're leading us. For those of you who are elders, that is a a monumental weight to carry but it's within the very design of Christ's own appointment for shepherds over his church to serve as under-shepherds. His caretakers, if you would, over his bride while he's gone to foster growth and grace with his people. And let me make this real Personal because we've been talking real high level here on what an elder's for. Let me make it personal for you. And we try and say this as as often as we possibly can on a Sunday morning. God cares for you. He genuinely does. He, He cares about what you care about. He cares about the highs and lows of your day. There are those who are on here or watching online that were molested as kids. He cares, it breaks his heart. There are those of you who have endured horrible divorces. And you still have remnants of being broken. He cares for that. He cares so deeply for that. There are those of you who are 19, 20, 21, 52, trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life. He cares. He cares. There are those of you who are gripped and, and held in bondage by depression or anxiety or struggle every single day of your life, and you look to the sky and you go, why, Lord, where are you? He cares there are those of you who who hear all the the pushing and pullings of the world and and well my professor told me this and my neighbor told me this and a friend told me this and i i don't even really know what to believe maybe jesus doesn't even exist and and you're tossed and, and pulled by the waves of the sea and you're confused and and you need to know sound doctrine he cares he cares for you he cares that you're getting married Some of you are widows in this room and and you long for your husband or your wife and they're not here and it breaks your heart. He cares. You've lost loved ones. You've lost kids way too soon. He cares. And the elder is put in place to come alongside you and to serve you, to help carry you, to love you you, to defend you, to stand in the gap. When the enemy is shooting arrows, when when the enemy is attacking, when the enemy is lying, when the enemy is deceiving, the elder is there to take the hits so that you don't have to take as many. Are they there to lord over you that they're in charge? Nope. Are they there to make every decision on behalf of the church? Absolutely not. Are they there to look down on you? No. No are they are they there to choose what carpet we put in no i hope not cuz some of the, none of these none of these descriptions said that they have style <laughs> and if you know our elders some of them do not have style <laughs> teach the bible leave the paint and decoration to others some aren't funny We all have our gifts, and we all have a job. The, bo- the, the body described in scripture says, every single one of you play a part in the body of Christ. They play a role. Does that make sense? They don't go to Mimi and say, ah, can you, uh, don't really like the coffee, can you make sure we get black velvet next week? No, she can tell them to go pound sand. That's not their job. Their job is to disciple to live a life of an example, and to protect and defend sound doctrine. And they do that with all the humbleness they can muster within themselves, knowing very clearly when they look in the mirror who is looking back at them. And it is an honor and a privilege to serve in that way. And this is why Titus says, hey, I know I gave you a handful to go help these churches, get elders fast and let them do these things. That's Titus. So it's going to be an incredible book as we continue to navigate through it, as we continue continue to unpack it every single week. Uh, They're not always as heavy as this. Uh, There's really some fun and funny things going on uh, in the book. So those things are coming. But uh, we have an opportunity this morning... And just so you know, we didn't necessarily plan Titus to work in conjunction with Steve either being received or rejected, but nevertheless, it is what it is. Um, and so most of you, almost every single one of you have received uh, an email talking about uh, Steve, his credentials, um, they stand on their own on who he is, uh, and so we are about to uh Uh, A firm vote on Steve as the new elder of Rock Creek Church. So I'm actually going to excuse, and if Dan, you can go with him, uh, I'm going to excuse Steve and Susie right through that door. Um, There's some super soakers pointed right at it. So when you open it, um, (laughs) let the birthday girl go first. (laughs) So Steve and Susie are going to go over there. Uh, We're going to shut the door and, and talk about them. Um, so, uh, Josh, someone has ballots uh, around here. We, we, we have a couple of different things, um, and you can come tune your guitar during this if you want. Um, so we have a couple of different things. We have this, this vote for all of you, and here's how we kind of roll here at, at Rock Creek Church. We are still, this is one of the things that Steve's gonna help us with, we are still navigating what does membership look like at this church. Um, and so here's what we're gonna say in regards to this vote. If you think you're a member, if this is your home church, you get to vote. If if you're like, this is not really my home church, I, I don't even know what I'm doing here, um, then hold off on that vote. Uh, this isn't Chicago, so don't stack the ballot box by voting multiple times, uh, vote often. Um, so just vote once, we'll go around and collect that. Hopefully you guys can share pens. I'm sure every pen and pencil here is, is COVID disinfected. Um, so do that, those are going around. And then I'm gonna invite Grant up. Uh, tech guys, if we could turn on H. Man, Kyle's on the spot. Uh, This is Grant. He's one of our elders. He does all of these perfectly. Um,
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. So that is crazy talk. (laughs) All right. So what am I supposed to do now? I'll talk about what we're going to do next. Yeah. Okay. Um, So first of all, I want to thank you guys so much for um, taking the time today to to pray about this and to uh, reflect on on the scripture, but also um, this role. Um, I've been doing this a few times and it's uh it's weighty but it's awesome Uh, working with these guys is is outstanding and and i would encourage if for you guys that want to pursue this or or feel like you may be called just talk to us about it because um it's a it's a great way to serve and it's um it's humbling and there's a lot of stuff you go through but there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of really cool things uh to get to experience talking about things experience um i want to transition a little bit give you a little bit of an update on kind of where we are with the facility and kind of where we are with uh, just a variety of things that are gonna happen. We're gonna go more detail at, at pretty soon, but in the last <clears throat> week or so, we've signed a new, uh, a new agreement to re-engage in the refinance aspect. So as you guys know, our plan is to build a new 4,000 square foot sanctuary really on the east side of this building. and That's gonna take some money. And so um, as you guys, what, what's been crazy is when COVID started, we put the brakes on just all things spending and we just weren't sure, but God has been insanely faithful <laughs> and uh, it's been incredible. We're in, a, we're in a better position now than we were to start to even start this process. It's crazy. Um, God is <laughs> obviously doing something. So what we're doing is this, we're starting to refinance. It's going to refinance this building and then the new building. In the, in the meantime, we're also going to be starting the process to do a new front. You know, we, we put the building, the door here. And we're going to put the new front facility, the front door there. So there's gonna be a lot of stuff going on. But one of the things that just to give you a status update, we started the process to start the refinance again. And so that should be the whole goal is to close the refinance in May and then all the contracts will start and we'll start ordering steel and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm not don't write this in pen, maybe pencil, but I've got I'm praying that we can get this done uh, before the end of this calendar year with it with a new building. That's my goal. So don't Hold them to that. Yeah. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that, but, but that's my goal. Um, we'll see what God's goal is. Uh, uh, we've been on the same page, I think. But anyway, so um, that's what's going on. We're going to have a lot more detail, pictures and diagrams, all that kind of stuff uh, coming up. But um, pray for that. Uh, pray for that. Continue t- to be faithful with your resources. Um, it, that it, You guys have, it's been cr- incredible what's gone on and uh, and puts us in a great position. Again, the goal really is to, have a facility that we can do what God's calling us to do. It's not just to have a bigger facility for his own sake, it's to, to do what he's asking us to do. So that's, uh, keep that in your prayers. That's all I have to awesome. say. Awesome. Thank you.
0: So, um, so I want you to picture this room. Uh, and we're, if you've got your ballot ready, just kind of like do a half-hearted hand raise there. Uh, they'll go ahead and grab all those. Uh, I want you to picture, if you would, this room. And uh, when, we, when we get the new building built... Uh, And we transition, imagine this room filled with a hundred little kids worshiping, doing games, watching skits, being taught doing breakout rooms, that's where we're headed. Um, And so they will, and we're planning on leaving all the bells and whistles in this, all the strobe lights and the colored lights, all the speakers, the sound, uh, the computers, everything in here so that we can have one of the best children's ministries anywhere in this vicinity. Imagine this just a 100 kids just going nuts in here. And so um, some really, really exciting things that are happening. So uh, expect that tile which we've wanted to take UP FOR, I DON'T KNOW, PROBABLY SINCE IT WAS PUT IN, um, be, FOR A LOT OF DIFFERENT REASONS. ONE, IF IT GETS SLICK, THE AMOUNT OF PEOPLE THAT HAVE HIT THEIR ELBOWS AND HEADS ON THAT TILE, IT'S NOT VERY SAFE. SO WE'RE GOING TO BE TEARING THAT OUT. Uh, here um, soon. I don't know that we'll necessarily have carpet immediately to go over this. John McGovern, if you're watching this, sorry, uh, I'll call you. I'll let you know. Um, it's not going to happen immediately here in the next few days, but very, very soon, uh, the same crew that put in our new door and our new wall is going to come in. They're going to jackhammer that whole thing up, uh, prep it, so then we can put carpet squares. Uh, the where the welcome sign is, where they're lit, where you all got coffee and tea, that's where. Grand was alluding to the new uh, it's gonna be a four-door entrance with a huge overhang uh, there and pavement out front with benches and such Uh, and so there's gonna be a lot of construction uh, starting here shortly a lot of caution tape a lot of dust Uh, I'm just asking now please excuse our dust please excuse uh, the construction all of those kind of things we'd really really appreciate uh, your patience Uh, with that we do have uh, children's ministry is now up and running because we we have the three rooms to facilitate that, and still have the lobby space for those who, sub lobby people, um, that that want to enjoy that experience in there. Uh, the result is we need more childcare workers. So uh, the Pope has. Uh, and if you're new here, we don't have the real pope here. His name's Mark Popenhagen. We call him the pope. We're not that cool of a church to have a pope doing children's ministry. (laughs) Nevertheless, uh, he has exhausted a lot of his normal, usual suspects, Uh, and so if you are interested in helping us, with uh, nursery which is birth to pre-k ish uh and then our little tykes room in here uh is kindergarten through third grade and then the new room is uh fourth grade through sixth seventh grade ish so if you have an interest in being involved in that in any way whether that's once a month twice a month four week four weeks uh, out of the month, whatever it might be, uh, please come let us know so we can get you background checked, get you in the pipe to, uh, to be able to be serving uh, in that regard. All right, so we have uh, a unanimous uh, decision to, uh, to affirm the call that we have extended to Steve and Susie Schumacher. Uh, you have affirmed that. They have received that call uh, humbly and willingly. So are they still in here? Should we just leave them in there? Can you get them? When they come in, if you would please stand with me and let's give them a round of applause and welcome them, Rock Creek style. We'll pray, we'll commission them, and and then we're gonna sing happy birthday. If you're not good at singing, don't. This is different than worship. God loves to hear your voice, but happy birthday is something else. All right, would you please welcome our new elder, Steve Schumacher. Come on up. outstanding. Kyle, if you could turn this on as well. And then I'm going to invite, um, we we didn't plan this too well, but if you're a past elder, present elder, if you would join us up on stage. Uh, also past staff, Mark, if you would come up here. Mark was on staff for many, many, many years, about 30 years he was on staff. <laughs> Looks super young. I'm going to hand that to you. So Uh, I didn't tell you to prepare anything. You can take your mask off while we're up here, if you want, or if you wanna be an example. uh, As an elder, you can put it on. Um, So what we do here matters, and we say this often, right? That, That as a church, the things that we do, uh, the worship, the opening the scriptures, baptizing uh, people, marrying people, even doing burials, they all matter. And and when we appoint a, a new leader uh, to join our leadership team of the life of this church, it matters because it means God is doing something, even if it's just protecting and loving you. Uh, great, great things are happening. So um, I know you're humbled. I know you're honored. And so Um, the, the floor is yours before we commission and pray for you. So, um, give us a word, my brother.
2: Thanks. Yeah. I, I talk for a living, but I, this is rather, (laughs) it's hard to talk. Uh, thank you so much. We know that we still need to really get to know a lot of you. This COVID things kind of been weird. We feel like church bandits. We come in with our little masks on and leave. So we want to do that. Um, Susie and I basically are at a point where. really comfortable if you're comfortable with coming to our house and getting to know you we have no problem with that Um, uh, but just just briefly this is a new thing Um, it's really interesting because it really came out of the blue Um, I was working with some uh, college students in the fall and I was uh, mentoring them say well what do you think God wants to do with the next step in your life and They, you know, we talk about that. And suddenly I was like, well, I think maybe God wants me to be more involved in the church. Uh, And I'm open to that. I was talking to Susie about it. And then about a week later, I got a call from Dan (laughs) saying, would you be willing? So, you know, we just feel that God's in this. We're really trusting uh, the church's leadership in this regard. We know that there's just many, many of you that are probably more deserving and would be more capable of doing this, but we're just trusting. Gonna walk through these doors um, with confidence that God knows what he's doing. And the big thing right now is um, really want to, to listen a lot. We wanna uh, ask good questions and uh, serve as best we can and do the things that need to be done and really do uh, wanna serve everybody and get to know everybody, so.
0: good you're good (laughs) all right well uh this is super exciting so we're gonna pray over the two of you so if you all would would huddle around uh if you all would extend a hand uh again what we just talked about right they're they're walking into the enemy's lair uh they're they're putting themselves on the line on your defense to defend doctrine to set their lives as an example for you all uh to to be there uh for you uh and to serve to do discipleship and to help you grow closer in your walk with jesus a year from now than you are today that's that's the weight that they're going to carry and more uh as they head into this uh new venture so would you pray with me lord jesus this couple that stands before us uh they are humble servants of yours You have brought them to this place. You have brought them to to us here at Rock Creek Church uh, to serve, to serve, to serve, to lay their lives down for another, to show that perfect love, to let their lives be an example, uh, to create discipleship and to care about and think about the church and to defend the doctrine of the Holy Scriptures, to stand on the Word of God as your humble servants. And they join, Lord, they they join uh, thousands of years of leaders in your bride, your church, that have faithfully served and stood before danger, that have protected, that have given meals, that have anointed, that have prayed over, that have led trips, that have taught the scriptures, that have had one-on-one conversations and had people over to their house that have loved, that have loved what is good and defended what is good and what is right. And they do that now on behalf of Rock Creek Church, on behalf of all of us. They do that for us. And as the hands of past staff and and, uh, elders are resting on their shoulders, may they feel the weight of your hands resting on them. Would they know that they are embraced and loved by you, our loving God and Father? that you, Jesus, died on the cross to give them life and that you knew behind the foundations of this world that they would be standing here today to serve. And so please take their hearts and use them. Let there be a smooth on-ramp. Would you keep the enemy far away? May, May his darts and his arrows and his lies and his deception be kept far away from them so they could be used by you to grow this church in depth and insight. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. So stay up here. Uh, So uh, it is Susie's birthday. Uh, which we're super excited for. If you read the entire email, which I know one person did, but I don't know if anyone else did. She turns 25 today, uh, which is remarkable. Uh, and so we have some things uh, for you. And so Mark Arnett is going to lead us in a, uh, a round of happy birthday uh, to you because we love you, your, your family, and we are so excited that you're here. So Mark, we'll have you guys go in the middle This is both embarrassment and love, which is how we roll here. So happy birthday to you. Mark. If you want to lead worship, you can stay, or you can get down, whichever one you want. All right. Let's continue to worship, and we'll close out the morning. Thanks, everybody.